Uh, I guess everybody at home's watching because you thought the blizzard and the and the and the winter apocalypse was going to be. No, that ain't till Friday, people. You could have came out tonight. All right, good gracious. Luke chapter one. Everybody turn to Luke chapter one. And Mike, I need you to tell them I, I don't like this chair. I don't like this chair. I want the one that comes. This chair's too short. It makes me look like a shorty. They getting it? All right. They should have done got it. All right. <clears throat> anyway, anyway, I want to I want to do this. It's going to be a little different tonight because uh, we're going to read a lot in Luke chapter one. Uh, we're going to talk about the announcement. You know, we talk about the announcement that happened with uh, the shepherds in Luke chapter number two. Uh, but we're going to talk about the announcement uh, to Zacharias and also to Mary and, and compare them in the response with Zacharias and, and with Mary to the angel and what it means to us. Uh, how many of y'all, how many of y'all know that God wants you to trust him? God wants you to trust him. God wants you to believe him. Uh, and, and, and I'll read several verses of that, but this, this little, uh, story, uh, that I found, uh, it says there was a little boy that came home from Sunday school and his mother asked him what he had learned. The little boy said that they learned about this man named Moses that was leading some people away from the Egyptians and the Egyptians were chasing them. And as they were being chased, they came to a huge river. And so Moses had his men build a bridge and then all of the people crossed over. As soon as they crossed over, <coughs> Moses called an airstrike in and the planes blew up the bridge so that the Egyptians could not capture them. The mother asked her son, are you sure that's what the teacher taught you? The little boy said, no, that's not what she said, but you would never believe the story she told. <laughs> now, now let's, let's be honest. Sometimes when we're reading the Bible, it seems that way, doesn't it? And sometimes when we read the stories of scripture, we read the stories that we, we see and the things that either God did or God said, you are the man. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. It just seems impossible. Can we say amen right there? And, and so what we're going to read is really two impossible stories or two impossible words that God has given these people and, and, and to know that God wants us to trust him. Uh, here's, here's what the Bible says. Y'all don't have this, but just, just kind of listen. Uh, these are just some verses that I took out. Psalms 37, three, uh, commit thy way into the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 62, eight, trust in him at all times. Say that with me. Trust in him at all times, ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Psalms 125.1. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Romans 1.17 says... For when uh, therein is the righteousness of God, <coughs> excuse me, revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 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 Hebrews 11.1. 1. 
Now, faith is the substance of the, and by the way, faith is trust. That's what faith is. Trust. It's confidence in. It's belief in. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by what? Faith. By it, the elders obtained a good report, but without faith, verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe, that's that word, believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, all through scripture, all through scripture, you will find from the beginning to the end that God wants us to trust him. God wants us to believe him. When he says it, he wants us to believe him. In the very, listen, the, the very beginning of creation, in the very beginning, uh, what caused man to fall when they didn't believe God? God told them something and God said, this would happen if you do this. And they didn't believe it and they did it anyway. And here we are in the mess that we're in. God wants you to believe him. God wants you to have faith. God wants you to put your trust in him. Matter of fact, it even goes as far as to say, without faith, it's impossible, not hard, but impossible to please him. God wants you to live a life of faith. And so with that being said, let's look in verse number, let's see, verse number five. Let's start with verse number five. Verses one through four, verses one through four is the prologue to the book. Uh, to the book of Luke, basically telling you uh, what's in it, why it's being written, and, 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 and what's the content of it, what his, his, uh, uh, his object is, the purpose for writing the book. And, and then we begin, we begin reading in verse number five, and he starts with really, this is the beginning. Now, now keep in mind, keep in mind that up until this point that we have right here, there's been four hundred years of nothing coming from God, 400 years of no prophecy, 400 years of a silent heaven, 400 years of nothing. Israel has fallen into darkness, has fallen into difficult, difficult times. Their, their religious structure had gotten corrupt. Uh, they had fell into a a legalistic, formalistic religion that was based on works and it was totally not what God had intended. It's always been faith. It's always been trust in God, but they have fallen so far away from God. And even Paul said it this way, we have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So they went about to establish their own righteousness, right? And so, so 400 years, they haven't heard from heaven. They haven't heard from heaven. They haven't heard from God since Malachi. Malachi promised that there would be an Elijah come. Malachi promised that the Messiah was coming. But for 400 years, they heard nothing. Then all of a sudden, we see what takes place here in this chapter. Are you ready? Say amen. amen. Verse number five. There was a, in the days of Herod, now this is Herod the Great, okay? This is Herod the Great. He was the one that, that helped the Jews rebuild the temple and extend the temple mount to the size that it is now. 
Uh, Herod the Great was probably the most uh, well-known Herod. Uh, you know another Herod, which, which would have killed John Baptist, but this is the Herod that killed the babies when the, uh, the babies in Bethlehem, when, when the wise men deceived him and went out a different way. How I many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Say amen. Okay. He was a madman. He was crazy. Killed his own family, multitudes of his family, paranoid. Uh, he was just crazy. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. There were 24 courses, by the way, if you want to write that somewhere in your notes, just so you'll have that information. There were 24 different divisions or 24 different courses of priests. And, and also write this down. At the time, there was 18,000 priests. Okay, 18,000 priests. So they couldn't all serve at the same time. So they, they divided them into 24 divisions or 24 courses, and they would all have an opportunity to serve in some fashion or some way, usually two weeks out of the year. Okay. All right. Now the Bible says that his wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. Even in the darkness of the time, there is still, God's always got a remnant. Amen. Even as bad as Israel had become, there was still people who were faithful. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, Verse nine, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, let me say this. I'm, and, and by the way, it's, we're going to get to the, we're going to get to the outline in the end. We're just going to kind of do a running commentary through this so I can explain it as I go. If that'll be okay. Say amen. amen. Th- this verse, this verse that we just read, his lot was to burn incense. Now this was an opportunity of a lifetime. In other words, his name was drawn out of all of the priests, out of 18,000 priests, his name was drawn to be able to go into the temple and burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, if you will remember, if you'll remember, uh, as you go into the temple, uh, you're going to find the table of showbread, on one side, you're going to find the, the, the golden candlestick on the other side. And then in the front, there is an altar of incense. Y'all know what I'm talking about, incense. They would put it and the smoke would come up. Well, they would burn that continuously. They would do it in the morning and then in the evening after the evening sacrifices. Now, uh, this was a once in a lifetime deal. And, and very few priests were able to have the privilege and the opportunity to do this. So this was like a just massive big deal uh, for Zacharias. Is everybody with me? Say amen. So he is excited. He is able to do this. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. He is going in to burn incense before the Holy of Holies. Now this was, they didn't take this lightly. This was something that they would, uh, they would uh, be very, very serious, very, very careful, and usually very, very quick. 
They would not mess around because if you, if you have studied any in the Old Testament, you'll find out that if you messed around and messed up before God in these areas, God would take your life. Are y'all with me? Now, uh, so we, we see that this is a very, very special thing. It is uh, a very, very serious ordeal. And so here he is going in to offer the incense. So verse number 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So most, most writers believe that that was the evening. This was during the evening sacrifice, evening uh, prayers because the crowd was, they usually wasn't a big crowd in the morning. Uh, but in the evening, there was a big crowd outside in the courtyard uh, of the temple. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now, let me give you something to think about. Most of my life, when I read that, I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, the, 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 the answer to the prayer is to have a baby. And, and I, I believe, I believe without a doubt, uh, that John and Elizabeth, or excuse me, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth prayed for a long time, uh, year after year after year that they would be able to have a child because there was a great stigma. Uh, there was, there was a great, you know, in that day, in that culture that you were looked down upon. Uh, for not having children, for being barren. Uh, people would talk about you. They would say that you have a sin in your life because God is the giver of life and he's punishing you, uh, which we know is not true. But in that day, that, that was the superstition. And so I, we believe that, that he, they did pray for a baby, but time had gone by, time had gone by and they were well stricken in years. And so that prayer was probably... A long time ago. And I would, before when I would read this, before when I would read this, I would think, well, he's, he's talking about their, their past prayers. But I, I was reading and listening to a, a, a Bible scholar today that, that kind of went different with this particular uh, uh, post. And I wanted to share it with you. He believed, uh, he believed because, because, when Zacharias was to go into the temple, he was to pray for the deliverance of Israel. He was to pray for Israel's uh, sin to be forgiven. His purpose of going into the temple was to bring Israel and their needs and their burdens and their problems and bring them before God and pray for God's people. And he, he truly believed that he, would, that he did not go in there and pray for his own self and pray for a, a want and a desire that he had. And after we see his, his doubt, I, I, I tend to agree with that. And so when the angel said, uh, your prayers have been heard, I believe he's talking about prayers for the deliverance of Israel. Does everybody see that? They were praying that God would deliver Israel from the Roman captivity, from the Roman bondage, from all that they were under. And God is saying, because everything about this is about the baby that's going to be born, but why he's going to be born. 
talking about John the Baptist. So the blessing is the baby, but the bigger blessing is who the baby is going to be a forerunner of. Say amen. And so you can apply, I believe you can apply that his prayer was answered, a former prayer from way back when, uh, when they were younger. That's a, that could be. But the bigger answer is that God is answering the cries of his people for their deliverance. If that makes sense, say amen. Now watch. Now watch. So he begins to tell him, this angel begins to tell him. It says, and, and, and where would it stop? Verse 13. And the angel said unto them, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now watch this now. Now watch this. Now you would think you'd say, wow, that's great. But here's his response. And Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. This is his response. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Wow. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. I'm not just no running a meal angel, buddy. I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. Say amen. amen. And I am sent to speak unto thee and show thee these glad tidings. And behold, behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou what? Y'all believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now watch this. The people are outside waiting. They're, 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 this is this has gone on way too long. Something something is happening because they're waiting for him to come out. Because usually the priest would go in, put the incense on the altar, and come out, and then give a benediction. Right? Well, they're wondering what in the world's going on. And it says, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. God took his voice away. He could not speak. So you can imagine he's doing all kinds of hand gestures and motions, trying to explain to, what, to them what happened. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration was accomplished, he departed to his own house and after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months saying, thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked up me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, in other words, the sixth month of her pregnancy, all right, six months goes by from the original announcement of John the Baptist, okay? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, now, keep in mind, for some of y'all that went to Israel with us, we, we were in Nazareth, and it's, it's pretty big now. 
But in that day, it was only a few hundred people. So when you think city, don't think New York. Think a village, okay? Think a village, a small, obscure place, okay? Uh, and it says that he, he went to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, for some of y'all that are not familiar with culture and tradition, uh, most Jewish girls would be uh, espoused or engaged. We use the word engaged. Uh, and most of them would be very young teenagers when they were engaged to be married. Uh, it's a great possibility that she was 13 or 14 years old uh, when this took place. Now, everything's different then. Now, when you're engaged, you can break it off like you're dating or something. Here, it wasn't the case. When you were engaged or a spouse to a husband... Legally, it was like you were already married. You just haven't had the ceremony and it hasn't been consummated yet. So does everybody understand that? Say amen. amen. So, so they would usually uh, have the espousal and then a year would go by, a year would go by and she would prepare and he would go home and prepare a place to take his bride. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. So somewhere in between is where we are with Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Now, let me explain that. Uh, her, her, her troubling, her troubling uh, was not quite the same as Zacharias. She was troubled over what he said. What did he say? He said, you're blessed. You're favored. Uh, and, and she's just a peasant girl. She is, she is like, what, what is this? Why, why is this being said about me? And you really need to look at this and see her humility and her humbleness. She is not seeing what the angel is seeing. She's not seeing what the angel is saying about her. And it says in, in verse 30, and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now this is different. This is different. This is different than what Zacharias was saying. Zacharias was doubting the whole deal. Mary is not doubting, she's not doubting that it's going to happen. She's wondering, how is it going to happen? I mean, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know how babies come about. Are y'all with me? And she knows she's never been with a man. So she's asking the question, how, how is this going to take place seeing that I know not a man? If that makes sense, say amen. It says, and the angel said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. 
And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Read it with me. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Read it again. For. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believes. Say that with me. Blessed is she that believes. Now, now what does it say about Zacharias? He had what? Unbelief or doubt. But what did Mary have? Belief. Blessed is she that believes. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, now watch Mary's worship, her praise to God. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden for behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed for he that is mighty hath done to me great things and holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength in his arm. Uh, he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has opened his servants Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son and her neighbors and, and her cousins heard about how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they called his name Zacharias because that's what they would do in the culture, the, the tradition, naming after the father. And his mother answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John. He should be called John. Now they couldn't figure that out. Why in the world would you go? There ain't nobody in his family named John. And they said unto her, <clears throat> There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, his name is. And they marveled all. Watch what happens. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loose and he spake and what? Praise God. God. Now, now he goes into, he goes into praising God he goes into thanking God for the, the promise of the Messiah that they've been waiting on for centuries and centuries and centuries. And what God, and all the praise is about the Messiah that's coming. And then he talks about in the very last few verses about John and what John's responsibility is going to be for the Messiah. Now, I had to read all that because I need you to see the whole deal. I wanted you to see the message 
uh, uh, to, to Zacharias first and his response and what happened. And then the message to Mary, her response, and then what happened. So with that being said, that's a long intro. Say amen. amen. Now we're going to spend the next 30 minutes and let's fill out this, let's fill out this, this, uh, this outline. Okay. God wants us to trust him. God wants us to believe him. Even, everybody look at me, even when he's unbelievable. I was, I was listening, I was going to play it before I come out here, but I knew I wouldn't have enough time because I had to read so much. But there's a song, Karen Peck and New River sing this, that says, God likes to work when nothing else will. God likes to work when your back is against the wall. Basically, God always waits for it to be an impossible situation before he moves. And, and I, you know what? There's been so many times in, in my life, so many times in the ministry of this church that it seems like very at the very last minute, boom, then God moves in the situation. When it seems impossible, when it seems like it won't happen, when it seems like all hope is lost, God always likes to move. God likes to show up and show out. Say amen. amen. Now, with that being said, let's look at this, these two stories together. We're going to kind of put them together and contrast them together. Amen? amen. Number one, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. First of all, I want you to see the word that they received, both of them, the word that they received. First of all, it defied comprehension. It defied comprehension. Write that down. He looks at Zachariah. Zachariah is an old man. He's old physically. Uh, uh, Really, he's way beyond uh, his reproduction ability is basically dead. Uh, Hers is too. And this is an impossibility. And so you're sitting here telling an elderly, elderly man that him and his wife is fixing to go to the pharmacy and buy Pampers. Say amen. (laughs) Say, that's crazy. That doesn't even make sense. You're right. You're right. It defies comprehension. You go to a, a young, a young lady who is engaged to be married They've not come together. She's pure. She's a a virgin, never been with a man. And you say, you're going to have a baby. You're not going to be with a man, but you're going to have a baby. That defies what? Comprehension. Comprehension. It don't make sense. It don't make sense. Now, Now, watch this. Why does God do that kind of stuff? Now, it's cool when he does it. We got to admit, it's cool when he does it, but sometimes it, it's really will put gray hairs on your head. When you pray and you pray and you think all hope is lost and all of a sudden God shows up. Uh, but why does he do it that way? Why does he answer prayers in the fashion and in the way he does? Well, the Bible says, first of all, Isaiah 55, 8, God is saying to you and to me, He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. How many of y'all know God does stuff different than we would? Y'all with me? 
There's been times God moved on my behalf, but I wouldn't have done it that way. I, I would have done it earlier, so I wouldn't have worried about it so long. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Now listen, he says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He says, I don't think like you and I don't act like you. Matter of fact, what I do and what I think is so far above your thoughts that you can't even comprehend why I do it. That still doesn't answer the question though. First Corinthians one twenty seven. But God, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, in the things which are not, the things which are not. Can we put Zacharias and Mary in that category? They are not able to have a child. Neither one of them in the, in the circumstance that they are in. But watch what it says. The things which are not to bring to not things that are. Why? Here's the answer. Verse 29. Read it all with me. Read it. Read it, everybody. Fair view, if you can see that, read that. That. That no flesh should glory in his presence. God does things in a way where we can't take credit for. There's no doubt about in in Zacharias' mind and in Mary's mind, this is a God thing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch. Now watch. Look at the next verse. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, say it with me, lest lest any man should boast. God does what he does so only he can get the, the glory. God will share his home. He'll share his son. He'll share his provisions. He'll share his love. But the Bible says he will not share his his glory. God does things in a way where only he can get the glory, where only he can get the praise. All right. Could could y'all agree with me that the Red Sea splitting and the Israel walking across dry ground defied comprehension? God's the only one could get glory out of that. How about Jericho? Israel marches seven times around Jericho and the walls fall flat. Only God could get glory out of that. Gideon's army of 300 defeating a horde of the enemy. David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, children in the fiery furnace. All of this defies comprehension. This word, this promise that the angel delivered, this message that was received by Zacharias and Mary, it defied comprehension. But then it declared certainties. Write that down. 
It declared certainties. What do you mean by that? Once you write that down, look at me. It declared certainties. Even though it defied comprehension, it's going to happen. If God said it, you can bank on it. I don't care if it defies comprehension. You can trust it. I don't care if it makes, it doesn't make any sense. You can believe it. I don't care if you can figure it out. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own. Whether you understand it or not, believe it. Are y'all with me? My dad used to say he always had all kind of little sayings and whatever. I, 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 asked, I was trying to burn the trash one day and said, Dad, you got a match? He said, son, I ain't had a match since Superman died. <laughs> he said, he said, he told me one day, he said, son, if I tell you a flea can pull that wagon, just load the wagon. And, and the point is this, if God says it, even if it don't make sense, even if you don't understand it, even if you can't comprehend it, it is certain. It is certain. Look what it says. Psalm 33, eight, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Read it with me. For he spake and it was, say it again. For he spake and it was he commanded and it stood fast. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the things whereunto I sent it. Now I know what you're thinking. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Well, this is the big deal. Some of us struggle. Some of us struggle with our own failures. Some of us struggle with our past. And you need to understand, even if you can't figure it out, even if it doesn't make sense to you that a holy God would forgive such a wretched creature that we are and look at such a horrible past that we had, you need to understand, if he said it, it is certain. What did he say? If we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, as far as the east is from the west, so as far as he has separated our sins from us. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If he said it, it's certain. You got to believe it. You cannot just pick and choose the things in the Bible that make sense to you and you understand and say, I'm going to believe that. You got to believe it. If he said it, you got to believe it. Now, I don't understand how that light switch over there. When I flip it, these lights come on. But I'm not going to sit around in the dark waiting for me to figure it out. Do you know, there's parts of the Bible I don't understand. I just don't. 
I've been to Bible college. I've read it a million times. I've had people try to explain it to me and it still doesn't make sense to me, but I still believe it because he said it. There are things that I'm going to take from God's word because it makes sense. You say, what do you do with the rest of it? I believe it by faith. And one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to explain it to us. But until then, if he said it, I'm going to believe it. This little girl, this little girl, she graduated high school, went to a liberal college, you know, crazy atheist liberal professor was, was there and trying to, trying to just derail the, the faith of, of Christians in his class. And, and he said, how many, how many of y'all believe in, in, in the crazy, crazy story of the Israelites crossing the Red Sea? Well, she raised her hand. And the, and the professor said, listen, there is, a no, is no miracle there because it's a proven fact. It's a proven fact that, 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 that place that they crossed was only a few inches deep, so there is no miracle. Well, she went to shouting, saying, glory, amen, woo! Say, what are you shouting for? Said, because God killed all them Egyptians in just a few inches of water. Y'all with me? Some of y'all don't get it. Read your Bible. Anyway, believe him. Believe him. This was a, (laughs) this word that they both received, it defied comprehension. But it was a declared certainty. This is going to happen. Matter of fact, Gabriel kind of got sideways with Zacharias when when Zacharias kind of doubted him and and, and was really negative about it. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of, I just came from the throne room today. Are y'all with me? Anyway, anyway. All right. All right. Number two. So, so, Ooh, we got to hurry. All right. Now watch this. Watch this. They both received a message that was unbelievable. Can we agree on that? But the angel was certain about both of them. Now, let's look at the way they responded. Let's look at the way they responded. They both received a, in, a, a, a just an unbelievable message that defied comprehension. Number two, <clears throat> let's look at the way they responded. First of all, the way they responded displayed their belief. The way they responded displayed their belief. And by the way, when you get a word from God, the way you respond will display your belief or your unbelief. First of all, we see Zacharias' failure. Verse 20. So how do we know he failed? Because the Bible says in verse 20, and behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak unto the day that these things shall be performed because, because thou, what? Thou believest not my words. Thou believest not my words. All right. Zacharias' failure, but then we have Mary's faith. 
Look what it says in verse 45. Verse 45. Blessed, verse 45, and blessed is she that, what? Believe. Believe. So we have two different responses to the same impossible message. Both of them were unbelievable, hard to believe. Both of them defied comprehension, but one believed and the other lacked faith, right? One of them was in unbelief. One of them was in doubt. One of them, watch this now. One of them looked more at himself and his insecurities and his inability than he did in God. And you know what? That we, that should, we, this is really not in the notes, but I'm thinking about it. This, this really, we should take this to heart. Most of the time, our unbelief comes because of what and who we are. When God says, I want to do something great with you. First of all, we look at our abilities. We look at our talents. We look at what we've done. Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember when, when uh, Jesus got into Peter's boat and did the teaching and, then, and said, hey, cast out into the deep. You remember? Cast out into the deep for a draw. In other words, he invited him for a miracle. He said, you could, I'm, I'm, fixing to, I'm fixing to load your boat. And you know what Peter's response was? Man, we done fish all night and call. He looked at himself. He looked at himself. And you know, a lot of times we need to get our eyes off of ourselves. Don't depend on your ability because if God gives you a word, he's going to perform it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I can, I can, I can think of how many times God was dealing with me about preaching. And calling me to preach. And man, I was running, scared to death. I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I don't like people. I'm scared of people. I'm nervous. I'm shy. I'm, I'm, I'm telling him all the things that's in me. And little, little, am I even comprehending that if I'm going to do this, I got to do it in his power anyway. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So the way they responded displayed their belief. And it will ours too. It will ours too. When we get a message from God, the way we respond is going to display whether we believe in him or whether we have doubt and whether we disbelieve. So the way they responded, it displayed their belief. Then, then B, watch this. This is so big. This is big. It determined their blessing. It determined their blessing. So what do you mean? Well, because of Zacharias's response, he was rebuked. Write that down. Because of Zacharias's response, he was rebuked. Not only was he rebuked, he was, I don't want to use the word curse, but he was, he was disciplined. God took his voice away. God took his ability to speak away. All right. But Mary, Mary was rewarded. Mary was rewarded with three things. Mary was rewarded with three things. Look in verse 35. 
All right. In verse 34, in verse 34. Now, let me let me read what I got in your notes right there. Is everybody looking at your notes where it says Mary knew? All right. Watch this. Mary knew what would happen. Mary knew what would. In other words, she fully believed that that she was going to have a baby. Now, she didn't know how, but she fully believed that this was going to happen. Mary knew what would happen, but she did not know how it would happen. Her question in Luke 134 was not an evidence of unbelief like Zacharias's was, but it was an expression of faith. She believed the promise, but she did not understand the how could a virgin give birth to a child? So she's, she's okay, how, how's this going to happen? She believed it was going to happen, but she's asking the question, okay, what's next? Does that make sense? Can everybody see that? And that's important that you get that. because, And we know because of what he said about Zacharias, he did not believe. And what is said about Mary, she did believe. All right. Watch what God rewarded her with. Because she did believe. Verse 35. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So first of all, Mary was rewarded with an explanation. Mary was rewarded with an explanation. I don't know about y'all. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes in life an explanation would be wonderful. Would y'all agree? Now, God don't always give explanations. He usually just gives promises and depends on us to believe them. But you know, sometimes God will lay it out there for us. Sometimes God will open our eyes or open our understanding. And she was rewarded because she believed what was going to take place. God says, let me explain to you how this is going to happen. So she was rewarded in verse 35 with an explanation. Not only that, but look at verse 36. And he said, behold, in other words, look, 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 look. That's what behold means. Look. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. She was rewarded with an explanation in verse 35. And she was rewarded with an example, an example in verse 36. In other words, he's saying, check your cousin out. You see, God's already done the impossible. She's six months along and she was barren. She's way too old to be having a baby. She's way too old to be conceiving a child. But look what God has done. She's rewarded with an explanation, verse 35. But then with an example in verse 36. Then verse 37, I think I got verse 36 on C2, but that's supposed to be verse 37. So if y'all want to fix that, verse 37, read it with me. Verse 37, for with, okay, let's try that together. You ready? 
For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Everybody say it forever. You with me? You ready? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Because of her belief, Mary is rewarded with an explanation, with an example, and with an exhortation. An exhortation just means an encouragement. Said, Mary, don't you worry. With God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. I don't know about y'all, but that's encouraging. You see, the way you respond to a word from God will determine your blessing. God wants you to believe him. God wants you to trust him in your life, in your family. God wants you to believe him. Then number three, real quickly, we've got six minutes. We can do it. I want you to see the worship, the worship they recorded. The worship they recorded. Because of the way they responded, their worship was drastically different. First of all, in A, write this down. Their worship was different in ability. We see the difference in ability. Zacharias was silent. Mary was sharing. Zacharias was silent. But Mary was sharing. Preacher, where are you getting from that? Unbelief will cause your worship to be awful quiet. You know why a lot of people don't worship the way they should? Could be they don't believe like they should. Boy, it's getting quiet in here, isn't it? He wasn't able to pray. He was supposed to, when he come out of the temple, he was supposed to give the benediction. Everybody couldn't say a word. When he got home, he couldn't say a word. He couldn't shout. He couldn't brag. He couldn't tell all his friends. He was stuck. But Mary was able to share, was able to praise, was able to glorify God. Preacher, what are you saying? I believe we can take from this. I believe we can take from this. Would y'all agree with this? I believe we could take from this that whether we believe or not believe will drastically affect our worship. Because if we live in unbelief and in doubt, guess what? We're going to be down and depressed. We're not going to be praising. I've never seen anybody that was in unbelief and total doubt ever praise God. But if you believe, listen, times are difficult right now. They are. I mean, it's crazy the world we're living in, not just economically, but, but spiritually. Uh, we are in a dark place. I mean, it, it's, it, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I used to think nothing surprised me anymore, but every time I see the news, I'm surprised again. Yeah. That the insanity, in the, it's all been said, it's all been prophesied. God said it was going to be this way. But, it, but it's just unbelievable, and it, it can bring you down so much. 
But you need to understand that if God said, I will supply all of your need according to my riches and glory, it does not matter what the news said. God said it. And if God said it, you can believe it. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And if God said that, you can, you can believe it. You can bank on it. And I'm telling you, it should cause a difference in your worship. Listen, you can walk in those doors and leave all of the hell behind you and come in here and know that we're all on the same page, worshiping the same God who has given us some, some good news that defies comprehension and praising and glorifying and say, God, I don't understand. I can't see it with my human eyes, but I know you said it. And if you said it, I'm going to believe you and I'm going to praise you before it ever even happened. Amen. Your, your belief, your trust in him will affect your worship. It'll affect your worship. Not only that, look here. Watch this. Their worship, it was different in their ability Zacharias was, come on, Zacharias was, what was Mary doing? She shared, she telling. But look at the difference in the activity. Zacharias, watch this now, write this down. Zacharias endured. Nine months. That was probably nine months of the greatest peace Elizabeth ever had. But can you imagine? Nine months. He had to endure. He endured. But Mary enjoyed. Mary enjoyed. Why? Because she believed. And he, I'm sorry, Mike, I forgot. I'm not supposed to put my glasses on my mic. Are you going to believe him? Because it will greatly determine whether you endure life or you get to enjoy life. It will. It will. Let me read these verses. We, I know we got 29 seconds. We can do it. Here we go. Mark 9, 23. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, read it with me. All things are possible to him that believeth. Matthew 17, 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto him, because of your unbelief. Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is, but with God, all things are, Luke 1, 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Luke 18, 27, and he said, the things which are impossible with men 
are are possible with God. Let me ask you a question. We're done. Stand to your feet so you know I'm telling the truth. We're done. What do you need from God? What, what, what do you need? What, what is in your life right now? Your greatest need, your greatest burden, your greatest trial that you need to believe God for. Let me give you a verse. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. So that's Old Testament. Let me give you New Testament. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. You see, there's two words in the English language. It's the same. Casting all your care for he careth. All right, but it's two different Greek words. When it says casting all your care, that word means those things that burden. Those things that bother. Those things that hurt. What's painful. What's causing tears to come to your eyes. What's keeping you up at night. He says, cast them. It means to throw off and let go. Give it to him. Cast thy care upon the Lord. Cast those things that are burdening you on the Lord. For he, what? Careth. That word means it matters to him. It matters to him. So, let's believe him. Let's believe him. And all God's people say it.